0: to nurture yourself increases and you know it was it's just a big it's just a change and, and to me it was like okay i'm going through the change it signals the second half of my life and i and i looked back do i want the second half to be like my first half Not again not that my first half was bad but it's like i want to do more i want to slow down i want to focus i want to turn inward and i want to do what's you know what i want to do what what really you know lights me up and the menopause i think was just the catalyst it was just like oh i think it's one of those things where again you're ticking off the boxes and you hit menopause and all of a sudden you're like oh oh menopause we talk about menopause in midlife i'm midlife i you know and you start looking about looking back at everything you've done to get there and then you look ahead and you're like okay i I want it to be different
1: Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause Podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. You know... We've all hit midlife, and I certainly know that when you do, you kind of go, oh, here I am, what happens now? Or we've just conveyor belted or sleepwalked into it, and then it sort of whisks it away in whatever direction it likes to do. But we can take more control of our midlife, and that's why today I'm delighted to have with me a guest, Laura Rubin, who is the Midlife Navigator. Laura, welcome to the Menopause Project. Thank you so much. I am so
0: looking forward to discussing midlife with you and menopause and and everything about it.
1: That is great. Laura, for the listeners, tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be the Midlife Navigator. So
0: I am a serial entrepreneur. I spent my entire life jumping from this activity to that activity. And I found as I reached midlife that I had jumped, that I'd done a lot of jumping. And, you know, and sometimes I would be back in the corporate world and then I get bored or I get that little feeling like this just isn't right for me and so I move on to the next thing so I lost my job at about I think I was close to uh, mid 40s and I decided that I did not want to do that again I was tired I, I kept doing things that I was good at but it didn't necessarily feed my soul and I was like okay I don't want to go back to the regular nine to five. I don't want to go back to doing what I have done all along because I'm good at it. How about if I take the time and discover what I really, truly want to do? What is my calling? So I went on this journey and it started, uh, I, uh, am an avid, I work out and I work out a lot and I had a personal trainer at the time and he was like, well, you should become a personal trainer. And I thought, well, that's completely different because I'm an admin. So doing books and billing, and I thought personal training, I love it. And I'm going to try something completely new. So I, I studied, I took the test, I became a personal trainer. And I've been doing that for about 10 years, but I hit about six years in and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to have that feeling again. Like this just isn't quite it. It was closer, but not quite. So then I really went on the journey to discover what were my core values? How did I really want to live my life? Who was I and what mattered to me? And on this journey, I realized that the big picture was I got super excited and I wanted to share that information with other women. And I realized that there is a lot of great information out on the internet, but not necessarily geared toward women in midlife. And I was going through the process. I, I didn't have anyone to guide me. and I reached that point where I was getting excited and I wanted to share the information. And I knew that there were other women out there like me. So here I am, the midlife navigator. And honestly, I'm still learning and I'm still in, and as I go along, I'm sharing with my clients as well and sharing with the world. My big overarching uh, goal or mission, is to change the stigma of midlife that society has, that the negative one, and have women embrace this time of their life as a superpower.
1: Oh, I love that, Laura, and I think I can personally relate to reaching that point in your corporate career, and I'm sure so many of our listeners can. You know, we're kind of there. Yeah, the job's okay. You get paid each week, each month, whatever it is, and we can be like a part of us have died, isn't it? Like, your soul's not quite where it should be, you know. I don't know whether that was how it felt for you, but it was like the inner part of you wasn't being fulfilled. And that I would agree with you
0: 100%. And I really, looking back, believe that is why about every three to four years I get that itch and it didn't feel right. And instead of really diving into what that meant, I just jumped to what I thought the next thing was. You know, in society, I had ticked off all the boxes. I went to college. I got a good job. I got married. I had children. So I was just kind of following along on what I thought the trajectory, my trajectory should be. And then in midlife, I realized, or I finally got to the point where it's like, I've been, I don't want to do it this way anymore. And I think that we're at a point in midlife where we're willing to not get swept along and we're willing to get off the autopilot and really look, you know, look at ourselves and, and really want to do this for us and the right way, not for, not, not for our family, not for our job, but for us, what is right for us. And I also know that, um, I feel like a lot of women and myself included if you look at my life if people from the outside looked at my life I had a great life great husband good job making good money nice house and you think to yourself shouldn't I be happy I have all this wonderful stuff but you realize it's not it, it, it's not meeting your internal need what sets you on fire and so that that was where the journey and I don't think that you get to that point till It'd be great if I had gotten there earlier, but I think midlife is the point that a lot of us reach to that feeling.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, Laurie, when you talk about that, we've kind of ticked all the boxes, and I suppose we're a bit concerned that we maybe, maybe even feel a bit ungrateful. You know, I have what so many people don't have, and yet inside us, it's like it's not quite matched up. But I love that you jumped off and took the time to dig deep to what you wanted. And I think that's often the really key thing. I mean, that we take the time, that we step off the conveyor belt and go, oh, now let me dig deep. And I love that you did that. I mean, how did you do that? Was there a particular process that you followed?
0: So... Not necessarily, and that's why I think I turned to helping other women because there wasn't a process, but it was just about, as all people do, you go to the internet, and I start searching, what's my purpose? How do I find my passion? And I just started doing the research, and I came up with this this, uh, system or this roadmap because I'm the navigator, so I have a roadmap that worked for me. And the first part that I did was basically get self-acquainted with who I was, you know, get like you said, get off the hamster wheel, get uh, you know, get off autopilot, and start looking looking around and really noticing what do I like, what really lights me up. Um, noticing like the birds, the going on hikes, and just enjoying instead of you know marking off the to do list. Start do started doing things that really. I enjoyed and I could become present in. And so you kind of strip away all of the things that society says you should be or you think you should be and you just start figuring out, you know, start being present and and then you have a place to build from now you're open. You're a blank slate and you can start building and searching. And for me, um, one of the things that I did and one of the things that are some of the things I do with my clients is we do, we work on our core values. If I were to ask you, what are your core values? If someone were to come up to me and say, before I did all of this, what were my core values? I could tell you what I thought. Or my core values and things, but it, but really, there's a deep dive and there's a pro, you know, a process that you want to go through to really extract what those are. And I never slowed down or became present enough to figure out what those were until I sat down and took the time to do it.
1: So Absolutely. that's
0: one of the things that that really helped me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you hit the nail there on the head about it being about our core values and we. We probably sort of have some vague notion of what they are, but you do need to do the work. You're right. We really need to dig into what they are and how we bring them out in our life, don't we, Laura?
0: And that's exactly right. And from the core values, I actually went ahead and I wrote a midlife manifesto. So I took those things that were important to me and then created a manifesto. And my manifesto is eight to 10 sentences of how I want to live my life, who I believe I am, how I want to live my life. And, and the, the great thing about that is it's a great guideline every day. You read it. You you just base your decisions. If you're going through a hard time, you go back to that. What's important to me? If you have a hard decision, you're not sure which way to go, go back to that manifesto. Does it does you know the yes or the no? How does it fall in line? So those are great, it's a great guidepost that you can use to direct your life.
1: And that I love that because that's quite deliberate, isn't it, Laura? I mean, it's not sort of, like a vision board's nice and they can be, if you like them, but I like that you've got something that is so concrete and so grounded in values and that you can go back to over and over again. That's fantastic.
0: But and it is it's really great especially like if you're going through hard times like if this coronavirus has really set you on your head you're not sure how you know everything just seems you know totally out of place you go back to that because those are what you live by now granted as you go through life Your midlife manifesto may change. Your core values will most likely not change, but the manifesto, how you implement them or how you use them in your life, they may change. They're adaptable. That's what's nice. And that's what makes them a little bit different than like, say, a New Year's resolution. You can, they're adaptable. You can do them at any time. And they're not really a goal per se. They're just an overarching way of how you want to live your life.
1: Yeah. And I like that, you know, sort of brought up things like New Year's resolutions. I'm I'm not a big fan of them. I don't know where you sit on that, Laura, but I often feel that we make them, you know, in January and by February, <laughs> often because they're not grounded in values, they've kind of disappeared. Yeah. And I would
0: agree with you. And the other thing about those is when we have a tendency, then we beat ourselves up because we haven't, met, we've already fallen off the bandwagon of the, you know, of whatever our resolution is. Whereas, you know, the manifesto is a work in progress. We're always working to that. So not only is it who we are, it's also like, like I talked about who we want to be. So you can see where am I today? Where does, where do I really want to be? And then you start working toward that as well. It, It, you know, again, it, it, keeps you moving in that direction to be the person that you want to be in the second half of your life. And, and I didn't mention this earlier. I really believe at 40, when I decided to go on the journey, I still have 45 years, 40, 45 years, hopefully knock on wood left. Mm. I want those. I can make those the best years. I, I can do a lot in 40 to 45 years.
1: Oh yeah. And we all can. I think that is something really important because you know, our mother's generation, right? grandparents' generation, didn't have that luxury quite often. I mean, they might have had, luckily, 30 years. You know, I mean, some people did live a lot longer, but they weren't seeing themselves as old and midlife. They certainly weren't doing the things we're doing. You've changed career. I've changed career. We start businesses. And so we can't just be, you know, along this conveyor belt, on this hamster wheel, because we'll wake up at 65 or 70 when we start work and we've never done anything we've wanted to do.
0: That's exactly right. I also feel like we live our lives in labels. We're a college student. We're a career woman. We're a, a CEO. We're a mother. We're a wife. Uh, you know, we're a sister. So if you pull those labels away, who are you? So, you know, this is our chance to, if we strip the labels away, who are we without the labels?
1: Yeah. And I I guess when you stripped away the labels, you had more freedom. Am I right, Laura? Correct. That is correct. To, to build who you want to be. Now that's not to
0: say that you don't enjoy being the CEO. You enjoy being a mother. You enjoy being a wife. There. That's not a bad thing. It just is a label and not necessarily needs to define who you are. And so when you take those away and you've got that blank slate, now's the exciting journey. We get to pick who we want to be. We get to really live the life on our terms, and who we want to be.
1: Yeah, and I I wonder sometimes you don't think, if you think that those labels are the people's labels.
0: Definitely, definitely. And it's, again, that society thing. And we just, I mean, everybody else is accepting the labels. We're going to accept the labels too. And, And, you know, I mean, you are described. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am those things, but it's not who I am at my core.
1: No. And when you stripped away your labels, how did your family, your partner, people who'd known you before react when suddenly you were not those labels, but you were maybe somebody different? So
0: thankfully, I am very blessed in that my husband, my children, uh, you know, I've been on the journey for a long time and they have supported it. Sometimes I think a I'm sure they thought and they rolled their eyes and thought I was crazy, but I do have a very supportive family. I will tell you though, my mother who is 89, she's so cute. She, I tell her what I, she's always asking me, so what are you doing now, Laura? And so I was describing what I was doing and she goes, oh, that's, that's very different than when I was 55. We were, you know, we were just very happy to retire and, and travel and not that those, but it's, it, that isn't bad. It's just that her 55 is different than our 55 at this day and age. So, yeah, but I will say overall in answer to that question, I have had, a very supportive uh, group around me. And I've also, that was one of the things that when I decided that I was going to, or really delved into what I was doing, I also went out. And I found my supportive friends, you know, so I have a really great connection and group of women that we're all doing this together so we can support one another because not everyone is going to have that support system from their close friends or their family. So I really recommend that you find a group of like-minded women that you can, you know, band together with through the time period because you don't always find people that will support you. And that can be difficult.
1: Yeah, I can think that would be. I mean, if you were not supported by your your partner, that would be a lot of tension in your relationship. Uh, because I think when we strip away the labels, we we change, and this person that has lived behind the labels emerges, <laughs> and that person can be very different from the person that they chose to be with. And, that, and that's true. And I think
0: part of the process when you're with a partner or family members that don't quite understand it or you're becoming a different person, I think it's important to bring them along with you, to keep those lines of communication open so that they feel like they're not getting left behind, that you're bringing them with you. And, and maybe there's a way to encourage them and you do it together. And you, you know, so that you're on the same page and that, you like, again, they're not left behind going, wait a minute, where's the person that I knew? And then, and help them to understand that the person that you're becoming is going to make your relationship, their relationship, your relationship together better because now you're able to be who you want to be.
1: Exactly. Um, Maybe we can turn a little and talk about menopause because that must have happened at a very similar time. <laughs> so, yes. how do you think that you going on this journey was influenced by your menopause, or how did your menopause maybe influence the journey that you went on?
0: Well, it certainly was timing was exactly the same. I think that, you know, for me, it's like, you know, they, they talk about that your hormones change and all of that. And, and the, the, the overall nurturing of other people to nurturing yourself, and that's actually a chemical change in your body. And so your focus changes as you hit menopause because of the chemical change and the hormonal change that you go through. You're no longer, at, you know, the the drive to nurture others kind of dissipates, and then the drive to nurture yourself increases. And you know, it was it's just a big it's just a change. And, and to me, it was like okay. I'm going through the change. It signals the second half of my life. and i and I looked back. Do I want the second half to be like my first half? Not again, not that my first half was bad, but it's like I want to do more. I want to slow down. I want to focus, I want to turn inward, and I want to do what's, you know, what I want to do, what, what really, you know, lights me up. And the menopause, I think was just the catalyst. It was just like, oh, I think it's one of those things where, again, you're ticking off the boxes and you hit menopause and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, menopause. We talk about menopause in midlife. I'm midlife. I, you know, and you start looking about, looking back at everything you've done to get there. And then you look ahead and you're like, okay, I I want it to be different. It's time for it for me to to do things differently.
1: Yeah. And you certainly mentioned something about slowing down. How has Mm -hmm. that manifested itself in your life today?
0: So I, again, we talked about in the beginning, I had to strip all this stuff. I kind of had to start getting off autopilot because I was really good. I'm really good at ticking off the boxes and I'm really good at being on autopilot, getting everything done so I had to stop and really look at what was important, what's not important. Uh, I took up, I have a uh, really got into having a morning practice. I'm a, I'm an early riser. I'm a morning person. So for me, I do a morning routine that includes meditation, uh, reading um, yoga. I also work out still. So, so I start the day before the world gets going, just setting myself up. And that is a, that's a big thing for me because my tendency is to hit the ground running. Like I will start, okay, I have to balance this checkbook. I have to call so-and-so I have to do this. And I have forced myself to get up before the world gets up and really focus on taking care of myself, doing that morning routine. And I will tell you when I don't, I can tell the difference. I really can tell the difference. The other thing that I do is I have started to make sure that I take a lunch hour. I work from home. I work for myself. Guess what? You can just slam right through the day and never have stopped. And so um, I was listening the other day to uh, Brene Brown, a, a conference that she'd given. And she used the term giving yourself white space. And that is so, that was such a difficult thing for me. And it's still something that I struggle with. That space that you need to rejuvenate, relax, receive. It's where you, if you're always going, you don't receive the the intel, the information, the what's you know you're just kind of jumping it from thing to thing.
1: Yeah, and I love.
0: So I really well, so for me, it's the it's the morning routine. It really has, and then that's kind of expanded. That was my first thing because that was a big deal for me to make that happen.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think that, and I love your morning routine with all those elements in it. But, but you're right. I mean what Brene has said there about white space, uh just mm-hmm. kind of went, oh, I got a bit goosebumpy when she said when you said it, because it's true, it's the space where we try not to put something in there because, because it's a space and we think, oh, I'll just fill it with a few emails and I'll make a bit of a phone call here and oh no. And 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 to That's find exactly that, right. And those
0: those little one minute things that you think, Oh, no big deal. I'm just going to throw them before you know it. You've done a whole hour of them while well, your white space just went away. And I, like I said, as you said, that term really I pigeonholed for me. That just was like, wow, that makes so much sense. And it is very difficult. That is something that I find very difficult to do because I'm a goer and, and I'm an, an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. And I got to go, go. So that's been a real struggle for me and something that I continue to work on.
1: Yeah. And do you have any any tips around how, you know, people listening can make that white space? Or do you think that's down to each and every one of us?
0: I think that you start small and you say you're going to do it for five minutes. And then maybe you add a minute. So um, James Clear in his Atomic Habits book talks about making a 1% change every day. So you start small and you make a 1% change and a 1% change. Because if I were to try to go from, you know, go, go, going to I'm going to take a whole hour every morning to myself, it would have never worked. And then the other thing to remember is don't beat yourself up. If you have a day that you don't do it, or, you know, I listed off a of multiple, you know, multiple things. I don't always do all of those things. Sometimes I, I don't have time. I have an appointment or I have something that I have to do. So just give yourself grace, pick one thing and just build on that one thing. Pick the one thing and we could do millions of things. Pick the one thing that speaks to you, that interests you. That you think you can do and then make those changes very small one thing at a time now and then what i will tell you is it's going to get difficult and you're going to come to those crossroads of do i do that i don't really want to i'm, I'm going to slide back go back to that midlife manifesto and where does that fit in that or look at it and think okay this really isn't working for me. If it really isn't, then don't continue and pick something else that does, but make sure that you're just not quitting because it got hard because sometimes it does. So really evaluate, you know, why you're, you think you need to try something else. But again, give yourself ease, ease and grace, figure it out little at a time.
1: I love that baby steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. If we tried to do something, we tried to go from A to D, we'd never make it. We'd all quit. It, it's tough. That is, there's very few people and there are some, but there are very few people that can do that without taking little steps in between.
1: Yeah. When people come to work with you, what you know are some of the key motivations for wanting to shift and change? they know there's
0: more exactly what i went through you know and, and as you were talking about they've their job they go to a job every day that they like but it's like something's missing and they know that something's missing but they don't know what it is and they realize that there's more to life than just their job and their family and that, you know, and that they want to experience life on their terms. They're tired of being on the hamster wheel. They're tired of being on autopilot. And the biggest thing is, again, it goes back to the women that have everything, you know, look like everything's going and they're, they're almost embarrassed. And I've also had women tell me at, you know, at this stage in their life, I should know what I want to be when I grow up. no. Not necessarily. I will tell them you are in the exact right place to determine what's important to you. So that's it. We are in a great place to do that. We have more free time. We are hopefully more financially secure. We have these things set up so that we can take that leap and start diving into what's important to us.
1: Yes. And what, are some of the barriers that come up as women start to work with you?
0: I'm scared. This is completely different. I'm going to go off and go off on a different path. Sometimes I have women will tell me I'm going to have to quit my job. And it's like, not necessarily. You can figure out who you are within that job because a lot of these women have six-figure incomes. They're making good money. Mm-hmm. I don't advocate that you quit and just go you know, climb a mountain or do whatever. We figure out who you are and then you know, make that work in the context of what your life is now. Granted, some people may want to quit and start a company where ha- they have this you know calling to to do something that's of you know a, a bigger value, but that's not necessarily what has to, has to happen, but they're afraid. they um uh, they don't think they can do it. They're too old. it's too late. those those kind of things are what I hear.
1: Yeah, pretty normal sort of fears of stepping out of where it's very comfortable. Exactly. And, and at the same time, knowing that, as you said, we know that something doesn't feel quite right and we want it to change. Exactly. And, and that feeling has to be
0: bigger than the draw to go back to the comfort zone. Just like people who stay in poor relationships the, the poor relationship is what they're used to versus being out in the world by themselves. And they would rather stay in a poor relationship than experience that the big scary world out there and really discover what's right for them. So it is, it's a big step and it's a courageous step. And that's one of the things that I encourage women to Find someone to help help them, such as myself or a group of friends or whatever that is. Don't try to do it by yourself because you, you're going to dip your toe in the water and it's going to be super cold, or you're going to feel the you know the it's going to scare you and you're going to jump back in. You got to take that big step.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, I, and yeah, you're right. You can't do these things on your own. It's too it's too much, and it's asking too much of of you at this time in life to throw everything. Away or up in the air and shuffle it around, but I but I liked as well, Laurie, that you said people don't have to throw you know careers, husbands, or whatever it is out the out of the window. I mean, we'd never have to be that extreme.
0: And that's exactly right. Really, the importance here is you're discovering who you are, and that can work in the life that you have created because most of these women like their job, love their husband, have great kids. There's just something missing that's not got, those things aren't completing the package for them. So they need to complete the package from what's inside of themselves. And they, we figure out what that is and how it works in the life that they have.
1: And can you give some examples, obviously without naming anybody, of the sort of things that women have uh, done that have made that big shift or that big internal alignment with values so
0: i have I have a client that um perfect example of what i'm talking about six figure income great lady works hard her company had been acquired she wasn't quite liking so her company had been acquired and what she was doing that changed so it really it really was bringing up the feeling of okay, this isn't it. This isn't really working for me. But again, she liked the company that she works for. And now look, and in the situation that we are, especially right now, it's great that she has a job. So what she did is discover what is it that she liked about her job? What were the things and and how her position had changed? And she's, she's going and working with her boss in, okay, I realized these are the things that really make me tick and what I like. How can we incorporate? Is there a way for me to incorporate these things with the job, in the position that I'm doing? So she stepped out of her comfort zone instead of just going, okay, company's been acquired. These are my new skill. This is my new set of duties that I have to do. But I really miss some of these old duties. So she took, the she made the leap talk to her boss and they're working on, cause she doesn't want to leave. You know, she wants to stay with the company that she's at. And so she's, you know, stepped up, said, these are the things that are important to me. Is there a way that we can work these back into what I'm doing?
1: Yeah. I love that. And I think when listeners hear that, they kind of go, Oh, so it's for someone like that. It's more that I've made a shift but it feels much more attainable than I think some of the stories that we hear out there on social media where, you know, you've thrown everything up in the air and and people go, well, I can't do that because I've got responsibilities. I've got kids at college or I've got a mortgage. Uh, And maybe I don't want to throw it all away. There's things about this life that I like. So I love that example of just, you know, making your career feel a bit more better, being able to, do little bits and pieces that you, that you enjoy doing and, and feeling more attuned to your values. Exactly. The other solution to something
0: like that is again, she liked her job. It, it pays her good money. It helped, you know, she obviously can, can pay her bills and do that kind of thing. So she can also look outside and we've looked outside. What are some things that she could do in a volunteer position or something like that, that will, you know, a little side hustle of some sort that will, you know, meet that need and, and help her, you know, and allow her to keep the job or not make her feel like she has to quit the job that she has right now. She can meet that need of what's important to her on the outside as well.
1: I love that. And I think we're seeing a real rise in side hustles, aren't we, at the moment with midlife women?
0: Definitely, because it is a big leap. And so these this is a great baby step. Start small. And then if you discover that you really like it, and it's something that you can, you know, it will work in your lifestyle and financially for you, then go for it. Go for it.
1: Yeah, I think that's so great. I'm love talking to you Laura I've learned so much about midlife navigating I love that you have a manifesto and and this fact that this is something that's evolving and it's not fixed in stone it's based on your values which are always there how can people who would be interested in navigating their midlife get in touch with you
0: I have a website, lauramarieruben.com. and then you can also find me on Facebook. I actually have a Facebook group called The Midlife Revolution, or Midlife Revolution. It's not the. with a group of women. I go in there on a regular basis. I share tips and tricks. We talk about uh, everything midlife, and it's a great group of women. Uh, it's great connection. And so I have that as well. You can also find me on Instagram at Laura Marie Rubin and at LinkedIn as well.
1: That's wonderful. And if you had to leave the listeners with your best tips for navigating midlife, what would that be or they be? I would say take
0: the time to explore who you are, discover what matters to you and create a life of purpose and fulfillment. Take the time to do that.
1: That's wonderful. Laura, thank you so much and for sharing your journey and this wonderful approach to living the other side of midlife and beyond to the best of our ability and fully aligned to our values.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I just love having this conversation. I appreciate it very much.
1: That's lovely. Thank you. Well, thank you once again, Laura, for a great episode. And some of my big takeaways from so much that we talked about was really that when we hit midlife, this is just the beginning, not the end. The beginning of the next maybe 40 or 45 years, which can be the best years of our lives. Yes, we need to slow down and really decide what we want to do but our menopause transition is indeed that catalyst for change if you've enjoyed this episode then like subscribe and share we're on apple stitcher spotify and everywhere else that you find your podcasts next week my guest will be nicole simonin from the shape it up over 40 And she'll be talking about fitness, movement, and more. Until next time, go well. The is it morning yet
0: deal? How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time
1: of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization.
0: Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives.
1: If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, Consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov/careers/usbp. That's cbp.gov/careers/usbp.